1: Hey everyone, Anthony Cazenza here with the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com coming at you after a big, big win by the Bangles on Sunday against the Lions. Hopefully you caught our post-game show on Sunday evening to kind of break everything down for you, go over the stats, the sights, the sounds, etc. Um, and we've got a lot of content on cincyjungle.com, breaking down everything, whether it's opinions, breaking news, analysis, all of that. It's all on cincyjungle.com. Good to see everybody. Seeing a lot of hellos and who days in the live chats. Good to good to see everybody. Hope your week is starting off well. It can't be off to too bad of a start with the Bengals win, right? So. At any rate, hopefully you've been keeping it to Cincy Jungle, like I said, and enjoying some of the episodes we've been giving you on this show. We've got a lot coming this week. We've got some special guests helping us preview the Ravens game. It's a big game coming up Sunday. We've got our, our show tomorrow, John Sharon and myself. Um, We are also, he and I are making appearances on a couple of other shows, both Bengals and Ravens podcasts, so we'll put that information out there for you as well, so you'll want to check that out, and then of course we'll be bringing you fantasy football advice uh, this week and some listener questions live, all kinds of different things. We've got a lot of stuff on tap for you, so hopefully you are eating all that up and enjoying it. If you're new to this program, you can get our show along with the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, Orange is the New Black, courtesy of Ace and Zim, and both Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, all are on every major audio platform, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of them, you can get, you can subscribe there, get all of our shows as part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast family, And download them there. Leave us a review there. And then, of course, we have our show right around here. There's an icon to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click that to subscribe. And then, of course, you can click the bell to be notified when we go live. Well, this is the water cooler chat, the happening headlines, whatever you want to call it. We've called this thing like a a couple of different things. So, I don't know. We're, 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 We're being, we're trying to be, I don't know. Adaptive, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. At any rate, uh, the Bengals are 4-2, and, and they are right behind the Baltimore Ravens, who they played this Sunday in the AFC North. And then, of course, you've got the Browns and the Steelers making a surge. You knew the Steelers somehow would not be out of it. They are at 3-3, three and three, um, tied for third place in the AFC North. There are a bunch of teams. I think there's five or six teams that are four and two at the moment. The Bengals, if the season were to end today, would have a wild card spot in the AFC. And there is a lot to talk about, both in uh, some headlines surrounding their big win over the Lions, 34 to 11 on that one. And, of course, a lot of chatter going on with their upcoming game against the Baltimore Ravens. So we're going to get to those headlines in just a second then we're going to get to some AFC North stuff and a couple of things around the NFL. So, let's hop to it, I guess. Um where we want to start obviously, we'll kind of start from last Sunday what occurred, some of the aftermath there and then of course we'll feed into this Sunday with the Bengals going against the Ravens. So, I'm going to share my screen for those viewing the video. Obviously, I will For those listening to the audio, I will be telling you what I'll be sharing, but um, the video will be seen on our YouTube channel here. Here it is. I mentioned this on the post-game show. Joe Burrow making history, NFL history versus the Lions. He joins Dan Marino um, in a very exclusive club. What club is that? According to NFL 345, which is an NFL statistical data uh mining twitter account with three touchdown passes in today's Bengals victory joe burrow joins pro football hall of fame quarterback dan marino as the own as only first or second year quarterbacks with two touchdown passes in each of their team's first six games of a season in nfl history did you did you catch that <laughs> either There's two guys who either in their first or second year have thrown multiple touchdown passes in each of their first six games, one of which is Dan Marino, the other of which is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, um, I believe he's got 15 touchdown passes on the season so far right now. Against seven interceptions, the interception totals up there a little bit. I think you know that that performance against the the Bears kind of shot that up a little bit. But he is turning the ball over a tiny bit more than you would like, but still throwing a lot of different uh, touchdowns to a lot of different players too. A lot of guys getting involved in getting touchdowns this year. Of course, through uh, through the the touchdowns last week to um, CJ Ozama, Joe Mixon, just getting a lot of different guys involved there. So. Um, it's it's a really good stat It it's shows that Joe Burrow is showing quite a bit of promise and a lot of uh, doing a lot of good things for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. So in the elite company, there is Joe Burrow joining Dan Marino in that specific statistic. Um, speaking of a guy who is off to a great start, we've got a couple of, a couple of stats that prove this. I mentioned, on Sunday that the Bengals with their fourth win they are they've officially tied the amount of wins they had all of last year well Trey Hendrickson on an individual note made another statistical achievement with his sack on Sunday against the Lions he officially tied Carl Lawson's total of 5.5 that was the team leader last year so through six games Trey Hendrickson has five and a half sacks um, of course, unfortunately, Lawson never really got to show what he could do in New York. Uh, had a season-ending injury during the, the preseason and training camp there, so very unfortunate for him. Obviously, we we all uh, still root for him. He, great guy and was, was a pretty good player for the Bengals in his time here, when, especially when healthy. Um, but 5.5 sacks already for Trey Hendrickson. Multiple pressures. He had a great game in general, even though just one sack. I should, shouldn't should say one, but it seemed like he was in the backfield a ton this last game. And he is playing very, very well for the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is on cincyjungle.com. Um, you can see there's a video from our buddy, Daddy o- McDuke from the uh, Believe in Bengals podcast. But um, essentially, he is – he was – Credited with, I believe, forcing Panay Sewell to commit three penalties. Um, And then, of course, he had the sack. That was when they decided to go uh, one-on-one with him with TJ Hawkinson, which obviously was a big mistake. And I'll put this link in the uh, live chats for all of you here. Uh, Trey Hendrickson proving to be a very, very valuable free agency acquisition as a number of different players are, but really helping out that defensive line, the defensive line led up, uh, the defense in general, the linebackers and it, really everybody involved, but I mean, big credit to the defensive line, led up just two yards per carry against the Lions last week. I think it was only about 32 total rushing yards, 38 total rushing yards, something in that uh, in that arena. So under 40 yards rushing as a team, the Lions had DeAndre Swift was held to just about 20 yards rushing. I mean, they just did nothing on the ground. And that was a big reason that the Bengals were able to not only keep uh, when, when things were close early, they were able to gain momentum and and wait for the offense to catch up. uh, But then obviously pull away later because they just stalled the Lions drives one after another after another. So um, it really, really, really good performance by the defense and Trey Hendrickson. A big reason for that here is a tweet that was put out by uh, one of our favorite follows on Twitter, Andrew Russell, who does work for pro Football Focus at PFF Andrew R. The Cincinnati Bengals defensive line has officially eclipsed their NFL season sack total from a year ago in just six games. So we can talk about the improvements that Jamar Chase has brought. we will in a second too by the way, but we can talk about that. we can talk about the the marginal upgrade in, in pass protection and run blo- uh, run blocking and obviously the running game, guys getting involved, you know Joe Burrow showing that he is back from that injury obviously and and showing in a lot of ways moments of improvement you got to figure with this last game here, that completes a a 16 game season. So essentially with that game last week you could make some form of an argument that Joe Burrow completed his officially completed a rookie season of sorts in terms of amount of games played. So you know that, that there are a lot of elements that are still ascending with this team but really the biggest I think the biggest strides, um, at least ones where we didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, the biggest the biggest thing is on defense where the defensive line is getting after the quarterback where the secondary is playing a lot better and of course the linebackers headlined by Logan Wilson are playing just a, a lot a lot better and getting quite frankly the big plays that were not there over the past few seasons so Interesting statistic there provided by Andrew Russell and a number of different statistics and and pieces of history for the Bengals in terms of how their quarterback's playing, how their defense is playing, and how respective uh, individual players are playing. Here's some more on the young players. I mean, we're talking about players that... Are new additions to the team and we're talking kind of primarily free agency, et cetera, but what about the, what about the rookies? And here are the snap counts against the lions. And you can see the, the graphic here. Um, it's Chris Evans and Chris Evans got a, an increased amount of time due to Samaj AP Ryan being out on the, on the COVID list. And he shined in really three phases of the game and was rewarded with it. This week, because the depth chart now shows that Chris Evans is the backup running back to Joe Mixon. So you can see the snap counts here. Um, I'll, I'll go down here. Chase in on 79% of the plays. Uh, great. Uh, you know, another great game by him. Two deep Catches did have the drop that, that tipped and led to the interception, but you know, still continues to make plays and be an explosive weapon for this team. 79% of the snaps, 57 of those Brandon Allen came in for 13 snaps uh, in relief as the Bengals were running away with things. So um, you know, that's 18%. And of course you've got burrow playing 59 of, of those snaps get him out of there didn't need him to be in there late so uh and Brandon Allen came in and played pretty well through a touchdown to Auden Tate as well Trenton Irwin getting in on things with 11 snaps on offense and started to take uh potentially take over the punt return duties from Darius Phillips another game where Darius Phillips just couldn't make the right decision on a punt return Irwin comes in there has two returns for You know, I think it was close to 30 yards, one of which was a 15-yarder. So nothing huge, but uh, a couple of nice punt returns in general, especially comparative to what we've been seeing. So in on 15% of the offensive snaps as well as a couple of punt returns. Auden Tate getting his most extensive action of the year. 24 snaps did get the touchdown lined up as kind of a tight end type of flex option at times. So uh, did have 33% of the snaps. Eli Apple played every single defensive snap, 63 snaps. Uh, Hilton playing 71%. Awuzier playing 78% was pulled later. Von Bell playing 78%. So you're kind of seeing a trend from a lot of the starters there. Chris Evans getting 16 snaps on offense. Um Just a really, really versatile day from him, a a productive day. Had the touchdown catch, a couple of nice runs, and you saw him pick up a blitz nicely. On one of the throws to chase there so really really nice game by chris evans and a deserved promotion by him joe mixon getting 45 snaps or 62 percent um, not only because he was splitting with evans but was pulled late because e- evans got some more snaps and then he had travion williams coming in um, speaking of travion Williams, we will kind of skip down to him he had 12 snaps on on offense jalen davis getting in late 14 snaps. Uh, Joe Bacci was in there and, and made a, a few tackles while he was in there, the line, backup linebacker. Uh, 14 plays or 22% of those. Um, Marcus Bailey only in there for four plays, 6%. A uh, little surprising given the backups playing, and, of course, that uh, you know Jordan Evans went on IR there. So a little surprising about Bailey on that one. Logan Wilson playing 71%. Trey Hill in and out of the lineup, got the start. Um, and then you know got was put back in later played 49 snaps interestingly enough he was pulled he had some bad snaps early he was pulled yet he had a an overall pff score in the mid 60s that's not outstanding by any stretch but but pretty respectable especially for a guy kind of getting his first start and first extensive action so interesting how that ended up working out for for him on that one uh Joby, 60% of the snaps Uh, Trey Hopkins in 59, uh, 59 snaps or 82% of them. Quentin Spain stayed in the entire game and had an outstanding game on that one. Uh, Riley Reef struggled a little bit, played all snaps as uh, did Jonah Williams playing all snaps. He obviously had a more steady game than Reef did on the, on the right side. Fred Johnson getting his first action, 13 snaps, Isaiah Prince in there for 10 snaps, Carmen was in there actually had a good overall pro football focus. grade. Unfortunately left because of the, uh, the, the illness situation. We'll talk more about that. 32%. Um, see if anything else is noteworthy BJ Hill in there for 51% of the snaps Hendrickson only in there for 40% of the snaps, um, 25 total snaps. So that that's interesting to me, um, especially with how productive he was, but, um, at any rate, you can kind of see, again, they're mixing things up all over the place on the defensive line and in that rotation up front, trying to mix and match a lot of different players in and out of there. That's some of the snap counts there on uh, cincyjungle.com. I think I put that in the live chat. Uh, we, uh, I'll put it in there again for you. I'll put it in the live chat for you just one more time in case. Uh, and then, of course, you've got this – we talked about the rookies and Jamar Chase playing well. This graphic is from Pro, oh, Fox Sports, excuse me. Um, most receiving yards, in the NFL. Not so surprising who number one is, particularly with his 200-plus yard receiving day against the Cincinnati Bengals. But look at number four, Jamar Chase. Not just leading rookies, not just leading, you know, uh, a certain segment of, of players at the position. In all of the NFL, 553 yards puts him fourth, behind Devonte Adams, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill, and ahead of Debo Samuel. So, continuing to point to Jamar Chase having an outstanding, outstanding rookie season. He is fourth currently in the NFL um, with uh, in receiving yards at this point right now. Here are it is a power ranking roundup post on Cincy Jungle going around to some of the major outlets showing where the Bengals have moved, if at all, after this win against Detroit. Um I kind of was a little surprised about some of these some of these rankings here, but uh what have you? Let's let's Kind of look at it. I don't. I don't know. ESPN number eleven up from number fourteen, so that's pretty high. NFL.com number eleven up from number thirteen. Sports Illustrated has them middle of the road at number fifteen. The Ringer has them at number eleven. Yahoo Sports has them at number twelve up from number fifteen. Bleacher Report has them in the top ten up from number eleven. NBC Sports has them at number fourteen from eighteen. Sporting News. Has them at 10 up from 11. So I'd like to hear what you guys think about where the team should be ranked in terms of power ranking. Sports Illustrated um, really kind of says what most of the doubters out there would say about the Bengals. Here's an excerpt from that. They haven't taken out any world beaters, but good teams beat bad teams in the first six weeks of the season have proven that the Bengals are, at the very least, not one of the bad teams anymore. Joe Burrow is back on track to become a franchise quarterback, but more impressive is the continued emergence of Lou Anarumo's defense, which, which continues to be more than the sum of its parts. So <laughs> it's kind of like, is that complimentary? I can't i can't really tell. But at any rate, the Bengals are kind of mostly in the 10, 11, 12 uh, range, moving up with a couple like that of Sports, Illustrating, Sports Illustrated, putting them in the middle of the pack in terms of power rankings in the NFL. So cool roundup post on cincyjungle.com talking about that. We talked about a number of the Bengals free agents already, namely Trey Hendrickson doing pretty well for the team. Some new faces. We talked a little bit about Quentin Spain But now we got to give them a little bit more credit. Witten Spain and Chidobia Wouzier make PFF's Week Six Team of the Week. And they are playing really, really good football and did so here. And Wouzier, after the game, said that something to the effect of all of his prayers when he entered free agency were answered in terms of what has transpired. In Cincinnati, and how good of a fit he feels it is, how valued he feels in Cincinnati, and that he's playing some of the best football he has ever played. And it's showing, it's showing he had a pass defended against the Lions and five total tackles there. Just a really, really um, good acquisition, and one that not a lot of people, including myself, uh, were, you know, Awoosia wasn't necessarily a household name to a lot of folks. Um, we knew who he was, and I, you know, I was familiar with him, but obviously him being injured, et cetera, there was just, you know, it wasn't something that moved the needle tremendously high at the time of the signing, but he has come in and been a borderline lockdown corner for the Bengals. Um, You see, here's the excerpt from Pro Football Focus. Spain got off to a bit of a rocky start in 2021, but has strung together his three highest graded games in pass protection as a member of the Bengals in the last three weeks. His performance on Sunday against the Detroit Lions was his best yet. Spain earned a 79.2 pass block grade with only one pressure allowed across 41 pass block snaps. To make that even better, Spain earned an 87.1 grade as a run blocker to give him an 89.6 overall mark for the game. That was second highest graded game by an offensive lineman in week six and was his highest graded game with Cincinnati by over nine grading points. So, you can also go on, uh, if you follow our colleague Jake Liskow on Twitter, he was posting some some fun videos, uh, video clips of the game. Uh, kind of had a funny one he made of Spain pancaking a guy, and Quentin Spain took notice of that, so go check that on, on Twitter. It was kind of a, a fun little exchange there. But, um, you know, Awuzie living up to the season hype here. Uh, I, I don't know if the yeah, unfortunately that clip isn't in here. But um, I mean, he's just been one of the most solid Bengals defensive players since joining them. And really, what what we're seeing is the Bengals did a lot of low risk, high reward type of signings in free agency. Whether it was a Woozie getting Quentin Spain on a team friendly kind of rental deal. Um, you know, Trey Hendrickson was obviously not a – that, kind of, that was a big deal. But um, Larry Ogunjobi is another one that was kind of a, a low-risk, high-reward. He's paying off. The trade for B.J. Hill had paid off especially early. He's kind of quieted down some recently, but that paid off early. So, I mean, a lot of these moves, especially on defense, the Bengals have made, they are doing – um, exceptionally well for this team, and really kind of putting putting things together and making this more of a complete team effort than um, you know some of the other teams we have seen in Bengals history for sure. Let's keep cruising on here. We're going to get close to start talking about the AFC North in just a minute, but there's a we could talk about the injury roundup. Uh, Mom spaghetti was a bad choice, a headline. Um, talking about Jackson Carmen being physically ill on the field there, but talking about Jackson Carmen, um, thankfully, he seems to be okay. It was kind of a little bit of a scary situation because he was on the COVID list before the game, was taken off of it, and then was sick during the game. And, you know, some people were like, well, does that have to do with the COVID thing or does that have to do with something else? Apparently, he had some form of, you know, a food poisoning type of thing. Um, He joked that it was – there was kind of some – running joke here about it being mom's spaghetti house, which was a line from an Eminem song. So I I don't, (laughs) hard to make uh, what, what this was all about, but apparently he is doing better and the team itself was, was pretty, pretty healthy leaving Detroit. And that's a good thing because they have a big game coming up and the fact that they got the lead, they were able to kind of rest some of the starter guys bring in some other guys, and no one, thankfully, really uh, had anything major going on here. You see Joe Mixon um, was limited throughout the week, did have the ankle issue. Um, It it looked like it was kind of get bugging him again. It almost looked like also he landed on his side awkwardly, so it might have been his side, but I think it was his ankle as well um so they they kind of just said hey that's that's enough for there um we, let's bring the other guys in and go from there so still a watch and see situation with Mixon, and then of course the Bengals may be getting p ryan back from the covid list there so they're you're gonna have to monitor that one t higgins brandon allen um brandon t higgins got hurt uh on a, on a throw from brandon allen there He kind of injured his leg, uh, left leg, but got off on under his own power. That one looked a little, uh, little scary, almost looked like he came down awkwardly on it, maybe a little hyperextension or just kind of, you know, uh, pulled something a little bit there, but, um, didn't appear to be anything serious because there was no card or anything like that. And we haven't heard too much about it. So he's probably okay. Unfortunately, he's kind of had a couple of dings and nicks and bruises, um, this year. So hopefully Higgins can, um, remain healthy the rest of the way there because he is a big, big part of this offense. Trey Hopkins, um, the left knee is continuing to bother him. Um, He was being attended to by trainers. Um, So that's something to monitor there. And you see when that happened, that's, that's also when, you know, Trey Hill came back in the game, did some guard, did some center. Um, it, It may just be something that was just bugging him a little bit because Again, we we've said this a bunch. Um, Hopkins suffered that injury in the last game of last year, so he came back pretty quickly from that. And so, you know, there still may be just kind of some um, situations where it's it's tender or it it's just sore. Um, it's not to the level it needs to be quite yet, or it's there. And then as a game wears on, it, it kind of gets fatigued. You know, there's all kinds of different situations. It, it doesn't uh, – he, he did come back in and play, and it didn't seem to be anything that, that was devastating. But it, obviously this is something that's uh, still kind of in focus for Trey Hopkins there. Uh, and then the throat situation from the week prior against Green Bay – Burrow said his throat is still a bit sore, but he still played very well. Played most of the game, and then um, you know there was a post game interview where he was kind of talking a little quiet, a little more quietly than we're used to Joe speaking, particularly after a win. So something to monitor there. But again, he was cleared from the hospital after the Green Bay game, and obviously cleared to play this past week. And um, I don't know. That's uh. That's what's going on with the Bengals in terms of injuries, ailments, et cetera. Um, Let's just kind of wrap a bow on this past week and start moving into the Bengals Ravens game coming up in this week in the headlines associated with that. Here is a, uh, a stat from uh, pro football focus Cincinnati Bengals, Twitter account at PFF underscore Bengals. The highest-graded Bengals through six games with a minimum of 150 snaps. Joe Burrow, 86.4. DJ Reeder, another high-priced defensive player who isn't getting all of the hype that Trey Hendrickson is, but is playing very, very well for the Bengals. An 85.1 grade. Joe Mixon up there. When, again, one when of your big contract guys. You like to see that performing well. 80.3. BJ Hill still up there doing well 79.2 and Jamar Chase your number 5 overall pick as the fifth best PFF score overall on the year through the first 6 games he has a 78.4. So that is some good news and you know you like to see a good mix there. Mostly it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing because you have Burrow a guy who is your franchise quarterback who has the best grade on the team. You like to see that two guys on big contracts in DJ reader and Joe Mixon coming in at two and three BJ Hill, a guy you sw- swung a trade for right before the season starts is number four. And then your, t- your first round pick is your fifth highest PFF scorer on the year. So you gotta like that for sure.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDST.
1: Let's go to the Bengals and Ravens, the headlines associated with that. But before we do, I want to tell you all what's going on with Symbol, in case you have not heard. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. That is our partner for the regular season. I'll put the link in the live chat. If you use the promo code OBI, you get a special incentive upon signing up, use the promo code OBI, sign up with them with at least a $100 deposit. And that becomes a risk free deposit for 90 days. Meaning if you end up losing money, which, you know, you could, but you know, there's a lot of people doing, getting, making some money on this thing. Uh, So if you end up make, uh, losing some money, your deposit is protected. It is a risk-free deposit for 90 days. So you can go check that out using the promo code OBI. You can invest in teams in which you are either passionate about or you see a really good opportunity to make money. If you are a savvy fantasy football player, if you play the stock market and you feel that you are a savvy investor there, this is right up your alley. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. Use the promo code O-B-I to get a 90-day risk-free deposit bonus added to your account. And you make sure you got to use that promo code, though, for sure. O-B-I, of course, short for Orange Black Insider. Go check out Symbol. Happy to be partnering with them once again this regular season. The Did you know the Bengals have a big game this week? the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals play the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore this week, and there are a lot of interesting headlines starting to emerge about this game. Wow, this one isn't overly interesting, but it is worth noting. The Bengals open as one touchdown underdogs in the Week 7 matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, a bit to be expected. It's in Baltimore, and Baltimore just came off of a huge win over everybody's st- Seems like everybody's darling. The Los Angeles Chargers just absolutely demolished the Chargers um, in in Baltimore this past week. So a lot of people feeling pretty good about where the Baltimore Ravens are. They are 5-1. and Had some close calls this year, including the game against Detroit, including the game against Indianapolis on Monday night. Um, So they've had some close calls this year, but have uh, somehow – overcome all of the injuries particularly at running back and are have the top record in the afc so kudos to them i know i know we don't really like them as Bengals fans but they are a well-run organization they are always very competitive they're seemingly always in the playoff race and this year is no different despite all of the hurdles they have had to overcome i would think that along with zach taylor john harbaugh is one of the front runners for coach of the year, given how this team has performed and what they've had to overcome. But the Bengals are touchdown underdogs in week seven going into Baltimore there. I I don't think that's overly surprising for um, a lot of folks. Speaking of Zach Taylor and John Harbaugh, do you see how he segued that right there? Gosh, that was just a beautiful, beautiful podcast move by, (laughs) by me right there kidding of course uh zach taylor and john harbaugh make bold claims about the bangles and harbaugh was complimentary about the bangles uh zach taylor is pretty confident about where the bangles are at this point in time this is on cincyjungle.com. i put the link in the live chat for you there uh if you're following along on cincy jungles facebook page or our youtube channel and of course on one of the twitter platforms um So, Zach Taylor thinks the Bengals have the best safety tandem, and Von Bell and Jesse Bates quote, they're the best safety tandem in the league. That's just a point blank statement. Um, Bell has had a pretty good year, 72.5 pro football focus grade. Um, Obviously, Bates not really having the huge, huge year that we've seen in the past, but still a, a top safety in the league and one of the best in the business and especially when you go and you look back if you watch that game on Sunday night Seattle versus Pittsburgh there was a throw that Ben Roethlisberger uncorked that Jamal Adams read shot up and the ball hit him square in the face and he dropped it and Jamal Adams is a physical safety he's a good blitzer Picking off passes has not really been Jamal Adams' forte. So <laughs> Jamal Adams signed a huge contract. That's the my point in bringing that up. Jamal Adams signed a huge contract extension to stay with the Seattle Seahawks. And you see a play like that, and you go, "Wow!" I mean, and then you, you kind of say, "Well, I mean, even the safety on the other side of that field in that game, Minka Fitzpatrick, a very valuable guy, Jesse Bates, you kind of had to." feel like those two guys would have come up with that with that ball and and if Adams had come up with that ball the Steelers may not have won that game so uh it's just one of those things where you kind of when you see plays like that especially from other high profile safeties it makes you appreciate Bates and what he does for the Cincinnati Bengals you can see here um, he had a 90.1 PFF grade last year not as high this year not making the same Same plays. He's at 71.2, but still solid from both guys here. Um, You see here the quote from John Harbaugh. He just said the Bengals are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Quote, just watch them play. We have our hands full. Could be just, you know, coach speaks slash, you know, being over flattering. But I do think that A lot of folks are taking notice as to what the Bengals are doing with a healthy Joe Burrow, an improved offensive line, an improved running game, and a vastly improved defense. Um, I think folks are taking notice. This is a huge, huge game. Yeah, for Joe Burrow, but a huge game for the Bengals' defense. They have been embarrassed in the previous years by Lamar Jackson. And I've said this a couple of times on the past few episodes of the podcast – Zach Taylor has beaten the Cleveland Browns before he has beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers before he has not beaten the Baltimore Ravens yet. And I think I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that all of those losses are pretty dang lopsided. Um, so this is, this is a another one of those, another one of those Packers type game where it's a statement situation for the Bengals. It is a tough one because the Bang. this is it. The second Road game of a three straight road game stretch. You had Detroit, you have this one, and then you have the Jets after this one. So it's it's tough. Um, but this is this is one if the Bengals are going to keep clawing at things in the AFC North, pardon the pun, and or be in the playoff picture late. These are the types of games they're going to need to start learn how to winning, uh, learn how to win. Um, they need to go on the road and beat an elite team they need to go on the road and beat a tough divisional opponent Um, they also need to do the same at home but these are the types of situations where you need to start grabbing the occasional win and uh you know putting yourself in in the conversations as one of the better teams in the in the afc so um they can do that i I i think the Bengals have a really good shot at at shocking a lot of people this week but at the same time this is a very very good baltimore ravens team despite all of the personnel losses that they have had to suffer. But Zach Taylor pretty confident and some you know publicly favoring a couple of players on his roster. And then, of course, some kind words from Harbaugh about the Bengals and how they are playing at this moment in time. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing with how the Bengals are faring against the Ravens because Taylor's predecessor, Marvin Lewis, who came from Baltimore – he had a pretty high level of success against the Ravens in his career as the Bengals head coach did awful against the Steelers and did really well against the Browns. And, and, you know, his performances against the Browns and the Ravens along with the playoff appearances kept Lewis around for a long time. But again, this is, it's kind of an odd dichotomy there between Lewis and Taylor, obviously a larger sample size with Lewis as opposed to Taylor in terms of the amount of games they played against the Baltimore Ravens. But even so, um, this is this is a big game, a big game and another one of those barometer games to see exactly how far the Cincinnati Bengals have come. They, they were pretty close. They were pretty dang close against the Green Bay Packers, another one of those measuring stick games. Um, but you know, came up short on that one. This is, this is a big one continuing on now. This is where, well, we'll get, we'll get to the drama here in, in just a sec. Uh, no, you know what? We'll go, we'll go here. We'll go here because this is something that's starting to emerge as a talking point on Sunday. Logan Wilson was asked about, uh, Lamar Jackson and kind of paid him a compliment saying, you know, basically he's got, you know, he's an elite passer and he's also kind of a running back back there, something to that effect. Well, the words got twisted by a couple of NFL media members, and now they are turning this into some form of a situation where they're saying, well, the Bengals linebacker who is a young guy and is just starting to ascend as a star in the NFL is making a public slight of Lamar Jackson. If you go read if you go read Logan Wilson's Twitter account, he explicitly said this was meant as 100% a compliment. We all know he's an elite passer. We all know that Lamar Jackson is an elite runner as well. He is an elite player in this league, an elite quarterback in this league. He's saying he has great quarterback skills, and he, he's like a running back back there, something to that effect. Well, here is kind of a, what has transpired since that quote on Sunday. Dove Kleiman is – a an nfl reporter and so there was there was a here's kind of the deal here um dove dove kind of said just said that you know lamar jackson is a running back who plays quarterback logan wilson ended up defending that comment saying we all know he's an elite passer as well dove kind of said well you guys take from that what you will um and then he kind of said now, he kind of playing the victim a little bit, first take on ESPN has turned Logan's words into a segment about how he disrespected Lamar. Wilson confirmed that he meant what he said as a compliment, not an insult, after I posted about it. But it didn't stop, first take, even knowing that. So um, I suppose I could play this here. Uh, we'll start this over. Um, this, this is a clip from first take. It's Mina Keim, Stephen A. Smith, Keyshawn Johnson, and now they are running with this thing. Full go that uh, Logan Wilson made a big slight on Lamar Jackson.
2: I find the discourse around Lamar Jackson so frustrating sometimes. It's 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 almost almost like like playing playing whack-a-mole. It's It's not not one thing or it's another. another. I'll start with what we just watched, Stephen, talking about the playoffs. It's a fair criticism, but – this guys played two full seasons in the nfl two full seasons i, I went on let's knock out the first one cut him some slack i mean your beloved Kyler murray hasn't even been to the playoffs at this point it's always oh can he play from the pocket even though in 2019 he ranked second in qbr from the pocket he's crushing it this year can he lead a comeback even though again most quarterbacks struggle with comebacks Finally, that narrative has been shot this season. After he's led these incredible comebacks, it, it, it's like the goalposts on Lamar Jackson get moved so many damn times. They're in the bleachers at this point. I feel like we can't just appreciate his greatness. Is constantly nitpicking over and over. I find the so
1: that's I like a lot of the I like the show in a lot of respects, first take, I like the hosts. I like the contributors on this show, but they are running with this comment. Um, there were some more comments by Keyshawn Johnson and others um, that, that, that it, all they had to do was go look at the player's Twitter account to say that what I meant to say was, or how it, it's very simple, very, very simple, but look, um, I think people are trying to make Bolton board material out of this. And obviously, I think also, believe it or not, this is a big game in the NFL this week. It's a big, big game. It's a five and one team hosting a four and two team, a, a division race at stake. And they are trying to pump this thing up by building up headlines and creating stories. And that's that's fine. So uh at any rate, it's just funny how this one little comment and his clarification even afterwards publicly has turned into this whole thing where now stations are running with it. I hesitated even really bringing attention to it, but it's it's on a national TV show, and uh, now it's, it's talking about how Lamar continues to be slighted, um, and that was not even the intention, according to Logan Wilson, of the comment. So at any rate, uh, that is some stuff going on with the Bengals and the Ravens heading into this week. We'll kind of ease that into some AFC North headlines. And then we will bounce out of here. Um, Big, another big player lost for the Baltimore Ravens. Ronnie Stanley is going to have season ending ankle surgery um, star offensive tackle. And one, they kind of, uh, you know, hung their, their helmets on, so to speak with Orlando Brown being traded away. Uh, This was kind of their star guy. So Ronnie Stanley's going to have another ankle surgery. Um, he, he's the 17th player to go to IR. So um, you see some quotes from Stanley. Quote, this is not what I wanted or expected when coming into the season. Throughout last year, I did everything I could to be 100% healthy so I could be out there playing for our team and city. As a competitor, I have a mindset of sacrificing my body for my brothers and my team to reach our goals. This is the best decision not only for my health but also for the team team long term i look forward to supporting my team from the sideline this season and coming back fully healthy in 22 so shame for him a very very good player and uh, has had some health stuff go on the last couple of years but there so um, i see here a question since he fan jungle city do you think they may flex this game i think it might be too late to flex this one i think they got to do that a little further in advance one i am expecting or a couple i may be expecting to be flexed is maybe that raiders game down the road and or the game against the chargers those are two games that I could see potentially being flexed into prime time. I think it's a little late for this one. This would have been a good one for sure. This would have been a very good one, but um, unfortunately that is not uh, something that I think is going to be possible. And then there's another post on Raven Ravens.com or Baltimore Ravens.com. And I thought this was kind of funny because not funny. It's just coincidental because Josh Bynes played for the Bengals last year. You see an article, Josh Bynes is coming to the rescue again this is from Clifton Brown, who is a staff writer on Baltimore Ravens. But he made his first start of the year last year, uh, last week against the Chargers. Um, and he he's playing middle linebacker for them. And uh, they mo- it allowed them to move Patrick Queen, who had seemed to be a little bit overwhelmed with things, to weak side linebacker. Um, apparently, they felt something of the old idiom that Queen was. Um, thinking too much and not reacting type of thing. And they're hoping that this is going to be um, going to be something that uh, pays dividends for them. Bynes apparently played very well last week. So uh, he is probably going to be starting against the Bengals this week in the middle linebacker spot, moving queen to the weak side spot. And hopefully that for them, breeds some defensive consistency. So a little bit of an interesting situation there um, going on in Baltimore. The Steelers are getting set to get into their bye week. So they uh, are doing, speaking of idioms and uh, all kinds of coach speak stuff, back to basics. Uh, So they're going, they're in their bye week. They hit 500 going into the bye week. They are three and three and they are, quote, looking for some trends, some things that need to be addressed um, is some of the things that Mike Tomlin says. This is on pits, on Steelers.com quote, our tackling needs to be sounder and surer. understanding our leverage of the ball relative to other defenders. So not only uh, so not only what it is we're doing individually, but how it fits into the bigger picture. So they're trying to get back to the basics are the Steelers after beating the Seahawks on Sunday night and Getting to three and three, uh, so not too much else to report on the Steelers as they are going into the bye week. They're just trying to get healthier, trying to right the ship. And a lot of people wrote them off, uh, me a little bit included, but I, I still never fully write them off until the season is done and that win loss record is officially calculated. So they're three and three, and uh, they're hanging around a little bit. They don't look very impressive at three and three, but um, there that's where they are. They're they're right there. So that's. Something to uh, keep an eye on for sure. Moving into Cleveland Browns news, man, this team is beat up right now. They took uh, they took a bad loss against the Cardinals at home this last week. Baker Mayfield, his injury got worse. Um, Kareem Hunt got injured. We'll talk about that in just a second. Just a laundry list of injury issues. Nick Chubb missed the game last week with an injury. So just a laundry list of issues in terms of injuries to important players, a lot of players in the secondary um, nursing injury. So Baker Mayfield says he expects to push through the pain and play Thursday. So short week also with all of these injuries for the Cleveland Browns. There was also a tweet that Baker Mayfield basically said his left Believe it's his labrum is fully torn and there's some other issues also going on with that. He had the issue going into this week and then he took a hit and landed very, very awkwardly uh, on that left arm, left shoulder area and was in pretty, pretty intense pain. So that's just something I guess he's going to try and deal with throughout the season unless it gets just unbearable. Who knows if he is going to look to do something in the offseason in terms of repairing that um and and, you know again he's going to play this thursday at least that's his expectation and he has said that basically um you know that that the labrum's torn and there are a lot of different issues going on in his left shoulder so I, i would assume obviously if it was his throwing shoulder we'd be talking about a different situation but uh, since it's his non-throwing shoulder, he's going to try and play through it. We'll see how successful he is about that. Here is a post on Cincy Jungle talking about a former Bengal and a Cleveland Brown. Uh, Kareem Hunt does suffer an injury. A.J. Green had a good game against them. Uh, helped my fantasy team actually out and uh, helping his career resume out. He's battled some injuries the past few years. The hope is that you know he can be on a team that goes pretty far can put up some stats and help them win and get back into that rightful hall of fame conversation um, and showing that he he has something left in the tank. And unfortunately, it's fortunate and unfortunate. He needed kind of a different change of scenery and out of that system, the Bengals needed someone who is younger and can provide expo- explosive plays. Um, and both the Bengals have benefited with Jamar Chase and AJ Green has benefited being on a now 6-0 uh, Arizona Cardinals team and and contributing to that. So congratulations to AJ Green doing doing good things with Arizona. It's still weird seeing him get into uh get get plays made and all that kind of stuff on a different uniform. It's weird. And some of the catches he made the touchdown, he made the 14 yarder against the Browns. It was just like vintage AJ green, a little fade thing in the corner of the end zone. And, and you go, man, that guy used to torch the Browns all the time uh, for the Bengals. And so uh, interesting. He had 79 yards. So, and in the touchdown uh, Kareem hunt though, uh, he was carted off the field. I believe it's a, Uh, non-contact calf injury so that is something that they are still kind of monitoring and dealing with but a big loss obviously the cleveland browns a big big part of what they like to do they like to play pretty good defense Um, baker mayfield has made timely throws but a lot of those big plays are off of play action because they run the football really really well and Kareem Hunt is was stepping up for Nick Chubb. Um, Nick Chubb is obviously also one of the best backs in the league. So a a big issue going on in Cleveland uh, with the injuries I mentioned, but uh, Kareem Hunt being injured is not not a good thing. And on the telecast, if you watch the game, I believe it was Laura Oakman who was the sideline reporter. She had said that you know he had she had heard that. Some, you know, he was in the the tent on the sideline there, being tended to. There was some crying and some other uh, kind of visible emotions that were being exhibited there by Hunt. So, um, not a good situation for Cleveland in terms of the injury stuff. Uh, a lot of injuries and a lot of them accrued in that game this this past week or the yeah this past week against the Cardinals uh another look at this I am just segwaying the heck out of this thing and we'll get out of here in just a few minutes as we close in on man we're already close to an hour how did that happen uh here is Vaughn Miller uh and I saw someone um I saw someone asking who do the Browns have on Thursday. This is who they have the Broncos Um, Von Miller guarantees quote, a couple of sacks against Browns tackles. I'm going to kill him. I believe is what he said about uh, Baker Mayfield. So um, he's calling his shot multiple sacks on Thursday night quote. I will play well in this game. I'm going to go off. It's going to be a good game for me. I don't want to guarantee a win for my teammates, but I guarantee I have. I don't want to put the pressure on those guys this time. I put the pressure on me. I'm going to have a great game. I'm going to go out there and play well. Get a couple of sacks. Um, so he's calling his shot. The Broncos started three and zero and have since lost three straight. So I think they're, you know, this may be something from one of the best pass rushers to really ever play. Um, to, you know, veteran guy trying to get something to to boost his team's confidence and get them back winning. Um, they lost a tough one against Las Vegas this week. And like I said, they started off 3-0 and and have since fallen to 3-3. and uh, So the Broncos take on the Browns there. And as I said, the Browns are pretty beat up and Von Miller thinks he's going to take advantage of a lot of situations there. Um, here is on NFL.com. A post on the NFL updated draft order. I thought this was kind of pertinent based on where where things are, where the Bengals are right now. Eagles hold three of the top eleven draft picks. Ooh, um, so you've got the Lions at zero six with the pick number one. Texans at number two, sitting at one and five. The Eagles that they acquired from the Dolphins there. Um, so they have that pick at number three. Jacksonville at one and five has pick four. The Giants at one and five have picked five. Um, the Jets, not a good year for New York teams right now. The Jets sitting at pick six with a one and four record. They had the bye last week, um, and they have the Bengals after this Sunday. Um, so that's that's next on tap for the Bengals. The Patriots at pick number seven. They are two and four. Almost had to win this last week, but let that one go. Philadelphia has the pick from the Colts, which is pick eight. Um Washington has picked nine, and then Jets have picked 10 to round out the uh, top 10. And then, of course, that 11th pick, the third Philadelphia pick in the top 11 at this point, as things currently stand. We'll go down here and show you where the Cincinnati Bengals would be picking should the draft be held today. It would be... We're moving, we're moving. Um, uh, It just kind of depends on you know, how these teams fare. There's a couple of different teams sitting at three and two and four and two, but um, you can see here, it would be after pick 18. So it's 19 or a little bit beyond there based on where their record is. Um, And you see that this pick 18 from the giants is acquired from the bears. So Bengals kind of in that old, if you remember the old (laughs) Marvin Lewis playoff loss territory, right? The early twenties, the mid twenties. That's kind of where the Bengals, are currently sitting, it would seem, in terms of draft order at this point in time. So that is uh, just kind of updating you there with where things stand in in the draft order. Let's go to CBS Sports, another site I like to reference on this one here. Um, Kind of an interesting series, and I'll put this in the live chat here, grading the next generation of quarterbacks. And obviously that would include Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, um, Joe Burrow, and a number of others here. And you can see here, I won't go through all these guys, but they do best throws and worst worst throws in terms of how they played in their respective game. Here is Burrow on this. Best throws late in the second, Burrow improvised while reversing his field behind the line before finding Jamar Chase deep down the field for a 70-yard score. This is more referencing the Packers stuff. So um, you see here the worst throws. Um, right here. And then you've got a B minus grade and a season grade of B minus. So keep watching these. These are from Chris Trapasso, really, really interesting stuff from him here grading the next generation of quarterbacks and obviously particularly the AFC, but the quarterbacks drafted in the last few years are really starting to carry the, the league, you know, you're not having the, the Peyton Mannings, you still have Tom Brady out there, but who knows how long that'll continue on. It, it's more, you know, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray. I mean, a lot of these uh, you could even put Baker in that, in that conversation as well. Uh, a lot of these younger guys that are starting to ascend and carry the NFL in terms of quarterback play. So um, that is uh, kind of a, a fun one that's out there on CBS sports for everybody. To wrap it up, here are the week seven odds picks. And our buddy John Breach, you know whose dad is? None other than the Bengals kicker, Jim Breach, the great Jim Breach. Um, John Breach for CBS Sports. He has the Bengals shocking, the first place Ravens. He's got him. He's been picking the Bengals a lot um, on these, and he's been largely right. So, uh, kudos to John Breach putting it out there. Why not? Uh, He's got the Bengals. I I saw it earlier. I'm going to scroll down to it here. Uh, He's got the Bengals beating Baltimore. Here's his. uh, Here is his synopsis. Here, I can't remember the last time the Bengals played in a somewhat important game this late in the season. Sure, it's not actually that late in the season, but don't tell that to Bengals fans. For the past five years, the Bengals have basically been eliminated from the playoffs by the time Week 7 rolled around, but not this year. This year, the Bengals could end Week 7 in a tie for first place in the AFC North if they beat the Ravens. The fact that the Bengals are good this season is something that no one saw coming. Just kidding. I saw it coming, and he references an article. Um, and he he had them starting 4-2. Um the biggest surprise of the season so far has been their defense if you watch the defense play last year they were they were atrocious um and then he kind of just goes into uh, he thinks the bengals uh defense and um could could help them in this one he has them winning 27 24. Over the Baltimore Ravens, um, so I will put this in. What, what a what a note to end on for all of you in this in this podcast episode here. There's a link in the live chats. There, John Breach, CBS Sports, first to pick the Bengals to beat the Ravens going forward. This has been the happening headlines, the water cooler chat where we talk about Bengals news, AFC North news and news around the NFL. I hope you enjoyed it. We went an hour. I can't believe it. I told myself this was going to be a short one. Oh, I say that every time and it never appears. I just blab. I just blab. But hopefully you enjoyed it. We've got our big show tomorrow with John Sheeran, myself and, and some special guests. So check that one out. We've got fantasy football talk coming up. We've got listener questions coming up on Friday. We've got a lot on tap this week. We're going to continue to bring you Bengals coverage on this podcast, the Orange and Black Insider, on our Cincy Jungle podcast channel, which is available on every major audio platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. You can get this show on YouTube as well, our, our specific show. So click that icon in the corner there and uh be notified click the bell also to be notified when we go live when new content is available and on those audio streamers you can also get the great shows from matt minnick and ace and zim all of the Bengals podcasts and of course opinions news analysis all that kind of stuff is on cincyjungle.com you got to keep it there for all your news going forward thanks everybody for tuning in happy tuesday to you all we'll keep seeing you this week Big week coming up. The Bengals take on the Ravens. Let's hope it ends the way we want it to. Can't get here soon enough. Take it easy, everybody.